Welcome to Be Ye Hearers. It's a podcast of St. James's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. Take my lips, O Lord, and speak through them. Take our minds and think with them. Take our hearts and set them on fire for Jesus Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Be seated, please. Beginnings can be very, very important. The way we begin something, a relationship or a new job or any new endeavor can color the whole thing from start to finish. Beginnings are something that you want to get right. This is why we make New Year's resolutions, isn't it? As we begin a new year, we make an oath to ourselves to do something good or noble or worthwhile, something that will benefit our own well-being and the well-being of others around us. In today's gospel lesson from Luke, we observe the beginning of Jesus' ministry. If you let yourself, I want you to let yourself drift back a couple of thousand years so that you can see it in your mind's eye. Bearded men coming in long robes, reverently into a pillared room, a holy place, lit with low-hanging lamps. The wives and daughters are arranged around the borders of the room. In the center of the room is a desk-like table on a platform. A row of very dignified men sit at the end of the room in front of a curtain. A young man, Yeshua ben Yusuf, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph, the carpenter, walks to the raised desk. All eyes in the room are on him, who has just come from 40, day, a 40 days fast in the Judean wilderness. An air of expectation and anticipation is palpable. What is he going to do? What will he say are the questions on everyone's mind. Sensational rumors had been spreading around the countryside about this carpenter's son. Jesus began the time of worship with the traditional prayers of the Jewish community. Then at the appropriate time, an acolyte carries a heavy scroll to the desk where Jesus sits. He unrolls the heavy scroll as the crowd waits expectantly. Jesus takes his time and finds a particular portion of the book of Isaiah. There is a profound moment of quiet, I think, before he starts reading. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, up to this point, everything is just fine. Jesus has reminded the people uh, of the words of one of the mighty prophets of their tradition. They're wonderful words, which will one day be carried out by the Messiah. Then he puts the scroll down and looks at them, and I can see him in my mind's eye. I can see him gazing out across the whole room, every soul of the synagogue, and he says dramatically, Today, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. To many in the synagogue, this is utter blasphemy. Would this young upstart claim to be the Messiah? Impossible. 
but perhaps to others there, people who had lived their whole lives under the thumb of Roman occupiers who felt like prisoners in their own homes, perhaps this was a time when their spirits were lifted and they said to themselves, yes, the spirit of the Lord is here. Maybe this is the time for good news. Maybe we can be made free. Maybe we can recover from our losses. Maybe we can be released from all that holds us back, keeps us down, takes our life from us. Maybe our most heartfelt dreams can be fulfilled. Maybe. This is the beginning of Jesus' public ministry, and the words he chose to read had special meaning for him, I think. This is it, Jesus says. This is why I'm here. These are the things that are important to me. This is my agenda. This is my program. The Spirit of God is on me, and it is my mission to bring these things about. You might say he adopted these words from Isaiah as his mission statement. One thing that stands out of Jesus' statement, everything he had to say was about relieving the suffering of people and reconciling them to God. He was all about comforting the afflicted and bringing folks closer to the divine. I don't know how many mission statements I've worked on with different congregations and vestries. Someone once said, the main thing about mission statements is to keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Mission state statements help us do that. They express our core values and our goals. They do it in a way that's easy to understand, hopefully in just a few sentences. And I would say the best mission statements are an extension of Jesus' mission statement, for we are his hands and his feet, his eyes and ears, his body, as our epistle says to us in our present time. I'm always pleased to see in the website of St. James's Church under being a doer, where there is an entire list of core ministries which suggest the values which guide and influence what we do here. I commend the vestry for that. Hang on to that. Build on that. Let those ministries guide all that we do here in the name of Christ. And how about your agenda for your personal lives? Are you able to answer some of the fundamental questions of life? Like, what are you doing with your life? Do you have highly valued priorities? Does your life signify something noble, something greater than yourself? How do you spend your time, your money, your talents? How are you using up your life? What are you pouring it out for? I think answering these kinds of questions and establishing some goals, a mission statement, if you will, for yourself, will help you become the person God created you to become. You see, I'm, I'm convinced that God has a clear and meaningful mission in mind for each one of us, and it is our journey, our adventure, our task, and our joy to discern what it is and then try to accomplish it. The question is, how do we do that? And I can tell you that we can't do it on our own. 
We need Jesus Christ in our lives to accomplish it. I've been listening some, to some uh, black gospels lately, some pieces that I enjoy, most of them coming from our choir at All Saints Church. There's a wonderful arrangement by the renowned black composer Moses Hogan. Moses Hogan has passed now, but he was very active and a wonderful black arranger. And one of, him, one of his tunes that I really enjoy is titled, My Soul is Anchored in the Lord. It's a beautiful and compelling spiritual with starts, in the Lord, in the Lord, my soul is anchored in the Lord. And the phrase keeps repeating itself, my soul is anchored in the Lord. It's sung over and over again and it builds up gradually to a, a contrapuntal dialogue and response, a call and response among the choir, which goes, do you love him? Yes, I love him. Do you love him? Yes, I love him. Will you serve him? Yes, I'll serve him. Will you serve him? Yes, I'll serve him. Will you praise him? Yes, I'll praise him. Will you praise him? Yes, I'll praise him, God Almighty. And it ends with a big hallelujah, as you might imagine. My friends, now more than ever, our souls are needed to be anchored in the Lord. We must come to love him, to serve him, and to praise him. Finally, I urge you not to let another moment pass before you begin this important work for your lives. What are you waiting for? Don't wait another day, not another second, another moment. Now is the time to be faithful. Now is the time to show love to one another, to reach out to one another, to offer compassion and forgiveness to one another to declare, as Jesus did, what is important, that the poor have good news preached to them, the prisoners are set free, the blind see, the oppressed are released, the year of the Lord's favor is and will be forever proclaimed. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Ye Hearers. For our full worship service, go to doers.org live. To learn more about St. James's, go to doers.org. We hope you've been touched by the Holy Spirit today. We look forward to being your companion on your spiritual journey.